Well, good morning. <clears throat> Last week, Andy came up here with a offensive shirt on. So I thought I would bring the rest of us our shirt. And he, he's not here to uh, give me a hard time, so that's good, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, I am Dan Perry, and uh, I'm the new care person. You all have been keeping me rather busy here lately. Um, unfortunately, uh, Emily's, their family, has had some tragedy in their lives here recently, and so we want to remember them. But just a little bit about me. Um, uh, I have been married to my high school sweetheart. We started dating when we were 15 years old. Been married 46 years. I don't know how she put up with me that long. Yeah, give her the hand. She, not me. Uh, I've drugged her from Tennessee to Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, uh, all over the country and different times. So she's been grateful to, and gracious to hang in there with me. Uh, we have two adult children. Liz is, um, I won't give her a name. I, I almost give her age out, but that probably shouldn't do that. But Liz has a daughter, Alyssa. And she's married to Yannick uh, Blevins. They live in St. Jacob. Uh, we also have two step-grandsons of Yannick's, uh, Ethan and Jacob. Also, we have a son and his wife, Cheyenne. They live in Highland. Uh, they have two daughters, uh, Haley and Lydia. Um, I served Highland Hope. Many of you have heard that name probably at some time or another. If you've been around any amount of time around this church, uh, this church was gracious enough to send about six people to help us to begin Highland Hope 20 years ago, and so I served there for 14 years. Last five years, I've been in uh, up by Peoria, Tre Tremont, Illinois. Um, it was not God's country. I learned that real quick. You get north of Springfield, there's temperatures different, uh, attitudes are a little different, a uh, whole lot more Cubby fans up that way, uh, so I was a little out of water, but anyway, it was a great, great experience. I retired in July, and Andy had touched base with me, and it was like, now, you are going to be here, right? You're, go you're going to take this position, right? And I go, yeah, I mean, and every week or so he called me. Now, you haven't taken another job, have you? No, no, I'm okay. He says, there's not a plan B. You're it, you know, so I'm very glad to be here. You have a great staff here. Give your staff a hand, all the workers and helpers, uh, volunteers. I mean, it's amazing. And so this morning as we begin, during a children's sermon at, uh, for Communion Sunday, a minister was talking about communion and what the Bible had to say about it. And he said, it's a, it's a joyful feast. And he says, so what does that mean? And none of the children said anything. It was during children's sermon. And so he said, well, joyful means happy, right? You know, and kind of like first service, they went. It's kind of quiet. I was not quite used to, I was a little more, I, I like a little feedback. Um, so anyway, the, they, he said, right, and they, he said, joyful uh, and, and feast means a meal, right? And yeah, yeah. And so he says, so it's kind of like a happy meal. And you know, a happy meal. And the little boy goes, yeah, it's a hamburger, flies, drink, and toy. <laughs> okay, well, you're at least with me that far. <laughs> Today is World Communion Sunday. And uh, if in your bulletin, there is an offering envelope for uh, World Communion Sunday. And uh, we do this each year in the Methodist Church and uh, churches all over the world. But in the Methodist Church, we're real, um, real concerned about education. You know, for me to become a United Methodist pastor, I have a master's degree. I have a master's divinity. Um, education is important. It was important to John Wesley. And so there are international students all over the world who need help being educated. And so your giving will help 
educate another student in another land, most likely. Um, we believe that all children are gifted, and they've been gifted to build the kingdom of God, to usher in, and to read uh, Jesus coming again. I, I kind of, some ways, eagerly await that. The older I've gotten, the more I start thinking about things that I look at the world, and I'm concerned with the way our world is headed. Um, not just the United States, just the world. I mean, people like uh, ISIS and all the, there's a lot of mean stuff going on in the world, aren't there? And so uh, but we feel like education is good. Nelson Mandela said, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. Did you get that? Education is the most powerful weapon to change the world. And so as a part of our worship experience, we still celebrate this simple meal and any good coach knows you got to go back from time to time to the basics, right? So Andy's just finished Elephant in the Room. He's going to start a new series next week on Mission 1-8. And so I thought that, you know, there's enough, sometimes there's new people, or we haven't really talked about it for a long time. And maybe we ought to go back to the basics a little bit and just understand why do we do this simple meal? And so, first of all, we have a symbolic meal together to remember we commemorate Jesus' death. He said in his scriptures, do this in remembrance of me. Paul said that through the observance of the supper, you proclaim the death of our Lord until he comes again. Sometimes I go, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I know, you know, especially when you're younger, you know, that's the last thing you think about. You know, what, what? Jesus coming back? Is that even true? Is he really going to come back? I believe it's true. I believe it's very true. And so whenever we share the Holy Communion, we celebrate the relationship that Jesus has established with himself to us. And so we gather together to remember. Jesus himself in his own words said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Drink from this, all of you. This is my poured blood out for you. And then in 1 Corinthians 23 to 25 um, in chapter 11, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul is describing the Last Supper where he defined two things. He redefined them. He instituted something new, something different in the Passover meal. Now, y'all, and I don't take it for granted that everybody understands. Remember the Passover meal? If you don't, it was, it's recorded in Exodus. And God was going to, he had said that the firstborn, all male firstborn would die. But the children of Israel were told to paint the blood of the lamb over the doorposts and the firstborn of their family would not be taken. Do you remember that story? And so in here, the blood signifies to us that there is coverage. There is forgiveness in the blood of Christ. And I know in our society now, we don't like to talk about those things. But in Exodus 12, he, he says, announce to the whole community that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat to sacrifice. And in this meal that Jesus redefined, there were two elements. The first element was unleavened bread. Now, the Jews celebrate Passover, and they have a, a celebration they call the Feast of Unleavened Bread. As a reminder that God got their people out of Egypt, he 
rescued them from Egypt when Pharaoh fed, uh, freed the Israelites. They left in such a hurry that they didn't have time to allow the bread to rise. So they were told, during those days, you must not eat anything made with yeast. Whenever, wherever you live or wherever you live, eat only bread that has no yeast in it. The other part of the meal as a sacrifice in, is not necessarily explained in chapter 12 of Exodus. It's the fruit of the vine, the blood of Christ. It represents his blood. And the Lord's Supper was quickly accepted across Christendom very quickly. Some churches celebrate communion every Sunday. The Catholic Church celebrates the Holy Mass every Sunday. Disciples of Christ do it every Sunday. I have a, a United Methodist friend in Florida who celebrates communion every Sunday. Now, it's just a little side thing off in one part of the room, but he, for those who they really like kind of the, the symbolism and what it means to come before God and to confess our sins and to be cleansed once again every week. He does it every week. And then the Lord's Supper, uh, as it was accepted, we were re reminded that we are to participate in communion today because we too have been freed from the bondage of sin, death, hell, and the grave. You know, I, I, I have done a few funerals already since I've been around here, and I know one of the things that I, I appreciate about our faith it doesn't end six feet in the ground. That life goes on. There is an eternal life. A life for those who place their faith and trust in Jesus, that they will live eternally with him in paradise. Now, we're reminded in Romans that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you, I lived 21 years of my own life. I did my things my way. Um, did a lot of stupid stuff. Anybody can relate to that? Uh, um, yeah. I got married at 19, and I was still doing stupid stuff. And um, one day my wife found this little package of something <laughs> that you smoke in the couch that, that one of my, my drummer in the band kind of left in the couch and this sweet little gal that I married had never said a cuss word she had never had a drink of alcohol to her lips she had never smoked definitely had never done drugs and she reminded me then that some things have to change uh, man I was smart enough to know that that meant something had to change <laughs> and so it set me on a search and in that search, I learned that this is the second part of the, the communion. We have an opportunity to repent, which just simply means turn and go a different direction. And I began going to church with her, and in a small Methodist church in Decatur, Illinois, I bowed my knees before Almighty God. And I poured out my heart, and I confessed all the, can you say crap in church? Uh, all the junk in my life. And when I got up from there, I said, I know God has called me to do something. I hate seeing those things on this thing. Um, I, 
I know I'm called to do something, but I don't know what it is. It took me till 41 to figure that out when I went to seminary to be a pastor. You see in verses 27 and 28, what we read this morning, it says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body of blood of the Lord. A man or a person ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. I didn't know what that meant. I was, anybody brought up heathen? I was brought up heathen. I had no church background, none. And, well, I take it back. I did go to church one Sunday a year when I stayed with my grandma. <laughs> and that guy dangled me over hell every time, and I was scared to death. I thought God was mean, and I didn't want anything to do with that God. But we have an opportunity to repent. You see, in that passage, the word guilt is a legal term, which means a liability, a deserving of, a bound by a, a charge. This believer is liable of, 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 a, of the effects of taking things too lightly. Now, I'm not a serious person. I, you know, I bring my cardinal jerseys to give Andy a hard time, but I love the symbolism in this simple act of communion. Next, we have a, in this meal, we have a chance to rejoice. In verse 26, he says, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death until he comes again. Eating is a picture of faith. Eating is an analogy of faith because it's a picture of assimilating food into our bodies. It's a, it's a symbol of uh, taking in the body and the blood of Christ into our lives so that we become pure and holy once again as we participate in this simple meal. That something is a, a power has been given us to be different, to change, to not be the person that you used to be, you know. First, my, my, my theme verse is 1 Corinthians 5.17, that in Christ you become a new creature, that the old has passed away, behold, a new has come. I'm not the same one, I'm not the same man I used to be. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm not the same as I used to be. And then also, in the sharing the communion, we repent, we remember, we rejoice, and finally, we need to be reconciled. In verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of Christ, eats and drinks judgment on himself. You see, there was divisions in the church as Paul was addressing to the Corinthians, and he was telling them that, you know, they're, they're, that they were being selfish, they were self-centered, they were involved in activities that were not, um, not glorifying to, the, to God. And so he tried to tell them, you need to be reconciled, but not only to God, which is our vertical of our cross, but also horizontally to our brothers and sisters, and that's the, the horizontal part of the cross. And so he says, you have this opportunity. So therefore, we're to use time before taking the bread and the juice to, to be reconciled to God. And, and maybe you're here this morning and there's someone you need to be reconciled with, a brother or a sister in Christ, that you've been at odds with one another too long. Uh, my uncle, I've got an uncle that hasn't spoken to my father for over 18 years. And sometimes you just want to tell people, get over it. It's time to move on. Life is too short. And so, therefore, we join Christians all around the world. Can you imagine? Just stop and think about it. All over the globe, today, churches are celebrating this simple meal. 
And we have an opportunity to be a part of the greater church, the church of Jesus Christ. And so as we gather with these others, red, yellow, black, white, Asian, Latino, male, female, old, young, single, married, just as Christians have done for 20-some centuries. Isn't that amazing? A tradition has carried on for all this time. And so for these 20 centuries, we do this simple meal for four reasons. To remember, to repent, to rejoice, and to be reconciled. So therefore, before we receive communion today, I want to read the scripture. And I don't know if they've got it, because I, I think I forgot to send it to them. Do you have that next passage in, in Psalms? Maybe not. Well, I want to read this to you. Or maybe I'll... Taken from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. I want you to take time as we prepare to take this meal together to allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. God, is there, what do I need to do to be reconciled to you? Maybe you feel this distance from God. Guess who moved? It's not him. Allow him to say, Dan, it's okay. It's okay. We can work on this together. Or if there's someone that you are at odds with, you need to make that right. Make it right. So if you would, just let's take a few moments just for silence and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Let's pray.